This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. That's right. Tough as nails. We are talking season three on Rob Has a Podcast. I am Rob Sestrino, and I'm back with the Savage Crew for a mid-season check-in on Tough as Nails. Uh, Let's welcome back our uh, very hardworking blue-collar podcasters to talk about what's been going on. First, of course, you could hear her every week talking about The Walking Dead over on Post Show Recaps. It's our chief Amazing Race correspondent, Jessica Lease. Jess, how are you? Doing great. It's it's great to be here, Jeff. I'm happy to be. Uh, 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 that's um, Jeff's the uh, survivor guy. Oh, all right. Okay. And the laughing seal that you hear, give it up for Mike bloom yes watching half the show of tough as nails season three i'm flying higher than a vulture or a seagull or a hawk or whatever bird that phil can misidentify in every Mm -hmm. episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right tough as nails season three uh we are picking up uh where we left off through six weeks of tough as nails uh that we did weekly coverage of tough as nails season one Season two uh, with all of our busy uh, podcasting and work and life schedules. Uh, we had not been able to do the weekly coverage of Tough as Nails, but we promised that we would check in here. So here we are. Uh, not quite mid-season, but uh, six weeks into Tough as Nails. And uh, let's let's see uh, what, what, we're, what we're thinking here on uh, Tough as Nails. Uh, Jess, any big picture thoughts for Tough as Nails season three? I mean, big picture thoughts. It's the same show we watched in season one and season two. Mm-hmm. And I think that is a pro and a con. I mean, the pro is it's heartwarming. The people support each other. It's, you know, the cast is great. These people are incredibly charming. You learn a lot every week. And the con is, I don't know that I've learned anything new. Mm-hmm. Mm. So I, I'm i enjoying it. We're having fun. Uh, my five-year-old watches it with me uh, some weeks, and yeah. it's exciting. Uh, but, yeah, I, I think that 
I, I'm glad to be talking about it with you two because I mean, you two are two thirds of the reason why I loved watching it in season one and season two. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other third well, is, of you. course, Rufer Lee is the other third. Mm-hmm. Of course. Uh, just to go back to what you said about your son, uh, Jess, that uh, my son, Dominic, who's eight, I was watching uh, uh, one of the episodes yesterday and he came in and I was like, oh, what are you watching, Dad? And I'm like, oh, Tough as Nails. He's like, oh, I love Tough as Nails. Like, oh, I, I, this is news to me. I didn't, I didn't know that. He sat down like he seemed interested. Wow. I, I guess he's got a rich inner life that um, maybe you're not privy to, Rob. <laughs> I guess so. CBS universe. Yeah. Is he, is he watching Tough as Nails like on his no, his own privacy. I, I don't know. I think maybe from when I watched the previous seasons, I think that he uh, must uh, he uh, was looking forward to it coming back. So that uh, he's a big fan of uh, the CBS reality show. So that I guess uh, tough as nails. Really, I mean, I think it, as Jess uh, alluded to, like I think that you know if you have. Uh, young children, I think that they very much identify with like the occupations that the toughest nails contestants tend to have. I mean, it's like it's like the Paw Patrol or the Village People. Like everybody's got their <laughs> their outfit and their job title. And should they have a catchphrase each, like uh, Paw Patrol? Well, it, well, each each Paw Patrol does have. As someone who has taken in uh, copious mm-hmm. amounts of Paw Patrol the past six months, they do each have a phrase. Whether it's uh, chases on the case, Marshall saying "I'm fired up," rubble on the double. Yeah. We did get that in the the first episode, right? When Hanger does his like Real Housewives line about being a carpenter, it seemed like they were trying to go for that at the beginning of the the season here. Yeah, maybe that could be a thing. Uh, Mike, how are you feeling about Tough as Nails season three? So what's really unique about Tough as Nails is that it's been a while, I think, since we've been able to follow uh, uh, a show in its infancy and like trying to essentially work through the formula of what works and what doesn't work. I think to Jess's earlier point, I think that was one of the really great things about doing this podcast on the weekly was to have Phil come on and sort of talk through the production process. I thought that was incredibly insightful and valuable to see how the sausage gets made as opposed to shows like Survivor and Big Brother, which are a little long in the tooth by comparison. So in that regard, I think Tough as Nails season three for me is the first time that I think they have truly unlocked the secret sauce. Like it feels like everything is now working perfectly. Seasons one and two were enjoyable to watch, but there were certainly things that were like, I'm not sure about this. This is an interesting choice. I'm not sure if it'll work for future seasons. I feel like for season three, to Jess's point, a lot of it is staying the same, which I think is inherent to the show. But I think there are small changes that the show has been making that shows more confidence in itself, that shows more of the network's confidence in the show, right? The show was renewed for two seasons, uh, three and four. Even just stemming from specifically, I think the challenges are the strongest they've ever been uh, in the show's you know small history. Just things like, going from all these various locations from these high rise buildings to a racetrack, uh, you know, to a muddy field. I love the, the variation they're going for with careers and even something as small as the individual challenges, not offering advantages in the next challenge, but instead just offering little prizes like you would do in the amazing race, I think was a really smart choice and shows how they're making little tweaks season after season. And I think they're close to like unlocking the perfect formula. I mean, and let's not overlook the biggest change to the show that we've seen in the season three that don't forget about the contestants all have uh, oversized thermoses. 
Yeah, they they took the you know they shrunk down the badge of honor mm-hmm. and they blew up the thermos. Yeah, yeah. What do you think, Jess? You like the thermos? I love the thermos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. yeah, it's like well, that. It seems like that they really like uh, felt like okay, this is like uh, important that we have to have like uh, like when everybody's standing in a row, everybody ha- have your thermos out. Well, yeah, I think uh, when you think about, you know, what invokes blue collar imagery, right? It's that famous photo of the guy sitting up on the beam that's mm-hmm. hanging in the air. And so, like, maybe they're trying to invoke that with, like, okay, not everyone's going to wear hard hats, but everyone will get a giant thermos of some undisclosed liquid to take in. Yeah, I mean, Roofer Lee would have had uh, soda in his. Oh, yeah, that'd be a wang dang doodle. <laughs> yeah, uh, but, Mike, I, I really I do like that they uh, get a prize, uh, but it's not necessarily like a uh, financial uh, prize, although that uh, year of uh, produce, uh, I am very interested to see how they're doing that. But yeah, it seems- the, 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 <laughs> the year's worth of produce, honestly, might be worth more than, like, the team prize that they get at mm-hmm. the end, right? Like, these people are sometimes making, like, $12,000, like, Alfie's spending $400 a week on groceries alone. I think when you total that up, it actually might be worth more than that amount. Yeah. I don't think it's a year's worth of like however much produce they want. They didn't say unlimited produce. They said mm-hmm. a year's worth. So I think it's like a box a week. And I, I really did like the idea, like Leah said, well, there's 12 of us. There's 12 months. Everybody gets a free month. I thought that was great. Yeah, it's like the zaddy calendar of Tough as Nails. Totally. Yeah. totally. <laughs> um, also, you guys using your Tough as Nails calendars? Because I just noticed that... Um, we're almost to the end of the year. I'm going to be very sad when I have to go back to a regular calendar. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe there'll be a 2022 version coming out. CBS, get at us. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I, I think the problem is we're not doing a we're not doing regular updates mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. So only the other uh, toughest nails podcasters are exactly. going to get them this year. Exactly. Yeah. But I want to go back to the prizes for a second because this feels to me, and Mike, I think you would agree with this. It's like the early seasons of Amazing Race where. They don't have a sponsor for the prizes. They're giving out the prizes because they're prizes. They're not like, they don't have to have like, you're going to get a year's supply of whatever. Like you're not getting a year's supply of Chiquita bananas. You're getting a year's (laughs) supply of generic produce. You're not getting a Suzuki jet ski. You're just getting a jet ski or whatever Mm. that was that they got a couple of weeks ago. And the early seasons of Amazing Race did that too. Like they didn't even say like, they just told you what the prize was and moved on. Where now it's like Travelocity wants to send you and a guest to blah, 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 blah. Now it's like, okay, you're getting, you're getting this. And everybody's like, yay, that. And they move on. Yeah, I, I, think, I love that. And I think also what almost like uh, breeds creativity within constraint is like due to these COVID restrictions, it's not like they can really guarantee a lot of future destinations, for example. So they're like, all right, Jerome, you're going to drive the race car uh, tonight. You're just going to do a couple laps around the track. Right now. Hey, Tack, uh, you're going to get a package from home right now. So it's like almost yeah. the immediacy of the prizes because they can't I love really that too. guarantee yeah. that uh, they can really provide anything for them in the future. It reminds me of um, back when I was in my salad days of Amazing Race podcasting and I watched every season of every version I could get my hands on. Amazing Race Ukraine, at the beginning of every leg, they would announce like whoever had won the last leg gets a case of beer to be enjoyed right there. Wow. And they just like throw the case of beer at them. It was great. Um, let's talk about the cast of uh, the uh, Tough as Nails season three. And once again, you know, a very likable group of people uh, that they uh, tend to do on uh, Tough as Nails. So I guess, should we talk about some standouts from season three? Yeah, because there, there's 
there's a good amount of them as per usual. You know, I think the show does a really great job. This is something that is to Jess's point, one of these constants, but I've always really enjoyed is that this is a cast that not to say that CBS specifically casts shows with like fame hungry over actors necessarily. But I think there is this idea of like, you got to bring the energy. You got to bring the storytelling. And these contestants are certainly good at that, but I think they are much more from like a, an extrovert introvert perspective, much more low key than I think a lot of other contestants we see on CBS reality shows. And that's always been relieving to me of like, Hey, this truly does feel like for lack of a better term, real people being represented. Uh, for me, I got to start with Alfie. I love He's my favorite. I love yeah. Alfie, you know, from him just stepping out and being like, you know, he's a, he's obviously a hardworking guy, but he comes in with like almost this, uh, this like new age mentality, right? Of like age is a man-made measure of time that shows where we should be in comparison. I'm like, did I step into a philosophy class from a superintendent's perspective? Where is this coming from? But I don't know. There's it's something about Alfie's story and just his down to earthness, but also the fact that he can sort of speak in that heady way that has me really loving the guy. He, he has this deadpan way of talking too. like, he's very funny, but I, I think the thing that slays me the most is that he will say something very funny and he doesn't wait for you to react. He doesn't like, he doesn't even seem to act like there should be a reaction. He just says everything in exactly the same way. Like there is a point like in the individual challenge where he and Phil are standing there watching those zoom booms go very, very slowly. And they're just both standing there, like looking up in the sky and feels like that's a beautiful day, isn't it? He's like, yeah, wonderful. Not a cloud in the sky. And they're just kind of standing there quietly together and not waiting for a reaction, like not even giving any clue that it's supposed to be funny. It's, it just absolutely slays me. Like, I think he is easily the funniest person in this cast. Alfie, uh, looking good for 55. Alfie's, I don't, well, like, I want to know, did he find the fountain of youth or something? This man looks incredibly good. And the fact that he's like, I don't know, sprinting like Jesse Owens in a muddy field, uh, you know, at the age of 55. Uh, I think that's one of the things that has persisted through Tough as Nails as well. I loved, you know, bringing in Murph for that first episode in many ways and Phil sort of reminding us of like, hey, uh, you know, typically the people that actually do the best here are the ones who have the most set of life skills. And that tends to be some of these older contestants. So I think unlike some of these other shows, it really does favor experience that can come with age and wisdom. Yeah. Uh, Alfie talked about in his bio his big uh claim to fame was that he was a uh, part of the team that helped put burger king headquarters back together after hurricane andrew whoa did he get to meet the king <laughs> <laughs> so that's amazing i mean burger king uh might not uh, be what it is today without alfie that's incredible think about it yeah yeah <laughs> now we all get to have it our way, thanks to Alfie. <laughs> yeah, that must have been a whopper of a job. <laughs> <laughs> my my other favorite, though, I know that, that uh, Alfie is a good number one, but I'd say 1A for me has to be Leah. Uh, she's putting the 1A and Leah. I really the Jill of all trades? Yeah, and this was such, this was one of those like really unique uh, op- occupations, right? I feel like we have one of those every season between like Michelle, the gate ticket agent. We had a little bit of that with Selly last season. And here comes Leah, who just sort of comes in like, yeah, I kind of run an alpaca farm nowadays, but I pretty much have done a little bit of everything. I will contest your point, Jess. I think Leah is the funniest, uh, the funniest person. I don't know why. For some reason, she reminds me of Tig Notaro in the mm-hmm. way that, she, and she is a little Jet Reno, mm-hmm. Jess, from that perspective, yeah, I can right? Yeah, that. 
of like being able to just be scrappy and, and solve any sort of issue with the set of skills that she has. I loved in this past episode, for instance, when she's uh, running along, just sopped in mud and asked if she looks like Bo Derek. Uh, <laughs> yeah, very reason, timely just, reference. Exactly. Yeah. Well, listen, for kids, considering CBS's target audience, like maybe so. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I had to pause it and explain Bo Derek to my five-year-old. So there was that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and Leah also uh, is 54. Uh, but also, like, I don't think you'd ever guess that. I mean, she's she's outright won individual challenges, plural. Mm-hmm. And I I think that's really incredible that she's, you know, the oldest woman in the in the pack. And she's right up there. She She wins the first challenge gets to be a team captain i think i feel like we're this cast is really trying to put women in that will be competitive because i think the first two seasons you kind of had a couple of the really strong men just really dominating all of the individual challenges and it was very clear like the writing was on the wall from like episode three who was going to be in the finals and who was going to take it and there was no chance that a woman could squeak it out even as much as we might have been rooting for some of the women but here i think leah has a real shot at winning this and i love her she's got a great personality and she seems like she is good at just about everything she tries Mm -hmm. so she's She's good. She's a whole package. She's good at the challenges. She's competitive and she is she is charming and funny. I'll say, uh, you know, you always have to have a lineman on uh, Tough as Nails. I, I enjoy uh, Mike uh, sort of uh, that, you know, it, it's been an interesting storyline in the season where that uh, it looks like that. Uh, we could have potentially uh, a team on the brink of uh, is it Savage Crew, right? They're down four to two. And yeah, the, yeah, this seems to be the, the Savage Crew of season one, right? Rather than season two, where like they just get beaten back and start arguing with each other. Right. Um, and so, uh, you know, Mike is, uh, you know, the person who's sort of like uh, the fearless leader uh, in some ways of that group where, you know, he's still in the individual competition where, uh, you know, they've uh, had a couple of uh, people out in the uh, individual competition and he's trying to like put on a, a brave face. And I think it's like uh, something like worth pondering that do you think could season three be the season where it does not go to sudden death overtime, basically, for Savage Crew versus Dirty Hands? Yeah, I already think it's weird that it's happened twice already. Mm -hmm. So one of these times that is going to happen. And I think. Well, what does that look like then? I think we keep competing. Because that's the nature of the show. Like you see so many times the teams, one team finishes and has one and the other team's like, we have to finish it anyway. Mm. I think we get this, we'll get a shot of them the next episode after they're out of the competition. Like they'll go to commercial, they will come back and they'll be in the damn van. They'll be like, you know what? We may not be able to win, but you know, we got to persevere. We're going to still be able to win money. We can still, we still got team challenges just because we can't win the whole thing. Doesn't mean we can't try to win a few thousand dollars for ourselves. Okay. So that get first to five gets the $60,000 prize, but yeah. you're saying that so that, but $12,000 will still be up for grabs. I for- can't imagine it wouldn't be. They've got yeah. these challenges set up. They'll still have, it's like, we could still win $12,000 and that's something. And you know, I'm still proud of you guys at the end of the day, you know, Mm-hmm. I, I could. The, I could the question is: Would Dirty Hands 
go easy on them. I would expect not to, considering that that is sort of the competitive spirit. But, like, Rob, could we see garbage time happen here in <laughs> Tough as Nails of, like, all right, we are, they've already run up the lead, right? Dirty Hands is just going to run the ball while Savage Crew is going to throw some Hail Marys to make some extra money. Yeah, oh, I can't imagine. And maybe there's, like, a camaraderie, like, intra team where you know uh or it would be inter team uh but like uh is there just camaraderie so much with the cast where it's like hey like uh we don't want you to to go home with nothing yeah i mean they're not going home with nothing they've already won two challenges it's not like they're and a month's worth of produce courtesy of leah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah they're getting something but i i would see like i think there is that spirit of they all they've all gotten to know each other. And at the end of the day, it's not about like who's on which team. And I could certainly see a world in which they're like, well, we already got our $60,000. Maybe they'll, you know, they'll let them, they'll go a little easy on them. And I think it's less of an issue in this show than it would be on something like survivor. Like Phil's not going to yell at them for doing that. Mm -hmm. What I find interesting with regards to the team challenges, it it felt like in the first couple seasons, the the whole idea of the team leader was almost like project manager in The Apprentice, right? Of like how it seemed almost like everyone would get a turn. Uh, Not so much in Toughest Nails season three. And, you know, it kind of sucks for some people that they haven't had the opportunity to step up. But like, for example, I think Dirty Hands found a winning formula in Let's Make Christine the the leader of our team. She's been the team leader for what, three out of five, three out of Mm -hmm. six of these team challenges. Uh, So I think it's I like this idea of. Yeah, exactly. Of like, we don't necessarily need to stick to a formula. You know, Phil has talked to us in the past about how they do allow a lot of freedom to the contestants to do whatever they want, whether it's sharing money with Freight Train, despite the fact that he's uh, not necessarily with Dirty Hands. The fact that they're like, should they have shared money with Freight Train this season also? (laughs) I don't know. Is that why he's back? (laughs) Was he coming back for his tips? Yeah, I, 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 it's my understanding you should tip the UPS guy at the holidays, <laughs> but I don't know when he comes back on tough as nails. Uh, I do. Maybe that was in his writer of like, listen, freight train. We feel really bad about what happened with that window washing. You want to come back and make like a guest <laughs> appearance in season three? No, I think I think there is something to that, Mike. I think they do want to show you that he was all right in the end, mm-hmm. and that he's still he still is, you know, proverbially tough as nails. Hmm. And I like seeing him back. I love Freight Train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially a heckling Freight Train. He brought some interesting energy. He was like doing the psych out stuff from basketball. Well, I, I think it's uh, fun to think about like with the Tough as Nails cast of like, like who has a job they could build a future task around. I feel like that that's sort of like we've seen that with, you know, uh, Roofer Lee and Murph on Drywall Danny and now uh, Freight Train of like, uh, are there people like from Tough as Nails, like uh, past or present that you could imagine them building uh, new tasks around? It's like you need to have like an unusual enough job that they could like come to your workplace and then uh, have you uh do uh, a, a task around that job if it wasn't for the tsa i feel like we would have had a michelle task already mm-hmm. no, that'd be interesting, bags. Like, luggage yeah. sorting i mean from this season i would say i would say on paper kelsey has the most unique career but considering the tra- tragic situation that happened with her father i think from like a legal perspective they would not want to send these people up in planes anytime soon mm-hmm. yeah no mm-hmm. yeah so just something to watch out for. Uh, yeah. do we, 
think we'll see any other uh, ca- notable cameos from season one or two? Does Rufus I mean, Lee I, come back? I'm pretty sure that Phil wants Rufus Lee back in every season. season. <laughs> Rupert Lee is the Boston Rob of toughest. <laughs> he did go out before the merge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he's going to come back. He's going to find yeah. himself a sweetie next time. What do you think about uh, the incorporation of Boston Rob into the uh, season three toughest nails promotion? <laughs> this has been so much fun because this is the first time right that tough as nails is airing after the survivor slot and i think i'm low-key obsessed with the way they've incorporated the show into the programming right between like you said i think it was the the survivor premiere right that it had the phone the vertical phone footage of boss robbie yeah you should probably watch this show i hear it's great (laughs) Uh, i want to know how that conversation went like, hey, uh, Boston Rob, we need someone to do to do a promo for this other show. Do you think you could do that? Well, kind of busy. Can't get to the studio. Here, I'll just do it on my phone right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, Rob, you Rob- don't do uh, eh, Never mind. I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> yeah, don't do it vertical. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to see if I could find the clip yeah. from it's Twitter. Like a, it's, I don't know. It's almost like a TikTok video. Like, I was ready for, like, uh, yeah. cat ears to be on him and his tongue to, to you know, flange out every time he talked <laughs> mm-hmm. not really a cat mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> well also we should mention uh last week i believe right did they not do a commercial during survivor about how rick hard is tough as nails because he moved blocks with his feet with his feet right right is this like the push through the pain moment is now the tough as nails moment <laughs> Yeah, but I thought it was like uh, so misplaced. It was like Ricard proved by m- moving things with his feet that he's tough as nails. It's like you, th- in the same night, you literally had a woman smash something with a hammer. Like, <laughs> exactly. Make Hanger would be so proud of the way that Erica handled that, ha- that mm-hmm. hammer glass. Mm-hmm. For sure. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. We need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Sax.com. We are actuaries. In a world filled with unpredictability, we use our math skills to navigate uncertainty. Actuaries make a difference in people's lives across industries and the world. Actuaries have the freedom to work anywhere. And according to U.S. News & World Report, we're the 25th top-paying career. Make an impact as a fact-seeker and a truth-teller. Use your math skills for good as an actuary. The world needs you. Right, any other standouts from uh, the season? Um, I want to I want to put some attention on Christine because mm. I I thought this was very interesting in the team challenges that 
she keeps being in charge. They keep putting her in charge. They're like, well, it worked before. Let's do it again. And it's a very different philosophy from, I think, previous seasons. They've really tried to spread that around, like have a different form in every time, like somebody that knows the specific task. And they said, no, she is good at knowing who's supposed to do what and how we all come together as a team. So we're just going to keep giving that to her. And at the top of the episode, I thought, wow, this is, this is like a different kind of award. This is a different thing that this is a different approach. And then she also, she kind of had the young role for a while. She was, she kept on having to be in overtime and finally she is punched out this week. And I was very disappointed in that, but I assume we will see her continue to be the foreman in uh, probably at least one or two more tasks. I thought you meant young, like she is the youngest person on the season, which she is. Oh, uh, she totally well. Wow, she's 29, which is crazy when you think of like Survivor and Amazing Race, where they have people that are like, I just graduated high school and now my next adventure is, you know, going on CBS. And so that's an interesting thing as well that I think brings a unique dynamic is, yeah, she is one of like the de facto leaders of Dirty Hands. But not only is she the youngest from an age perspective, even though Alfie says that age is just, of course, a man-made construct, uh, but from an occupational perspective, right? She is, I believe, an apprentice iron worker. Mm -hmm. So I find it really interesting on the part of Dirty Hands to say, obviously, we have incredibly experienced people on our team, but the person who seems to be doing the best job at like organizing us and coordinating us is this 29 year old apprentice iron worker. I think that's a really unique dynamic. You know, just going back to look at season two of tough as nails, the youngest cast member on that show uh, was also 29 Uh Zeus and angel uh, were both 29, the youngest cast members of tough as nails season two. So I don't think it's a, yeah. like a one-time phenomenon. No, I guess not. Well, I think when your show is, is kind of based around what you do for a living. You need to kind of be a little bit established in your career so that uh, you can come in as someone who is, I don't, I don't want to say defined by it, but representing it, you have to be able to have had that experience. Yeah. And it does test things that you need experience to. Speak to. The youngest contestant to ever compete on tough as nails. Farmer Melissa was 27. Wow. Yeah. And that's the thing as well, right? You can't have someone be on like, well, I just I'm like I'm an intern here. Uh, I'm just getting college credit doing this. I am not really. Why'd you put me in these overalls? I'm not really a farmer. I agree with Jess that I think if these people are supposed to represent their trades, even though we have certainly had people change occupations after their time on the show, I think they want to sort of wear it with pride. To that respect, uh, I really enjoy Elizabeth. And I don't Elizabeth, do you mean? Well, I think I didn't realize why until this past week's episode. Elizabeth to me is a Sigourney Weaver character. Maybe it's like the hair, maybe it's the gumption, maybe it's maybe it's the face paint. The makeup. I'm not sure. Might be it might be the makeup, but for some reason Elizabeth has like such a weird, unique dynamic. Like she is one who is not afraid to be vocal. Uh, she is someone who actually seems to be, you know, like one of the main unfortunate conflict causers on Savage Crew with the way she sort of regards them after the fact. But yeah, I can't help but watch Elizabeth and not think of Ripley from Aliens for whatever reason. <laughs> I, I don't know, something about the makeup too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that was wild that uh, she came out with like uh, the really like wild like uh, eye makeup it's it's something it's a different aesthetic from what we've seen on 
on Tough as Nails because people are so like they are so like specifically dressed to represent their professions most mm-hmm. of the time. And I think that is one thing like that's one small tweak I think they've backed away from, especially this season. They have definitely been like they're not, you know, fully in their uniforms anymore. They're wearing something that's sort of suggesting it, but we don't really talk about personal style on Tough as Nails very much. And so to have someone come in mm-hmm. and like really put some effort into how they are going to appear on television and to the other contestants, it's it's a very different thing. Yeah. It makes her memorable. And we hope Elizabeth is going to be okay after uh, mm. she had, uh, it looked like a pretty, uh, you know, rough injury this week. Yeah. Hey, I don't totally. know if either one of you have thrown your back out. No. Uh, no, I saw a guy do it on Survivor one time and he, <laughs> uh, he had a tough time, but I don't know Elizabeth seemed a lot worse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I have. And I would say childbirth is the only thing that comes close. It's not fun. And I was watching those people like crouch down, harvesting the cilantro. And I was thinking I could not do that. My back would go out like in a, in a heartbeat. So I, I mean, props to people that do that for a living. Yeah. Cause that is tough. Jess, that I feel like that you are um, the um, biggest like culinary expert on the panel. Uh, <laughs> and then, and, and uh, no, no slight to Mike, who I know is a Excuse podcast you, about food. I, sh- I st- yeah, I've eaten exotic things. Yes. Uh, but who needs all that cilantro? I don't know. There's like a, there's this cilantro based sauce that you get with like Peruvian chicken and it's very, very good. Um, and like you need it for chimichurri, I think. Seems like it's, a lot of cilantro. It's a lot of cilantro, but like a little bit goes cuisine. a long way. It's weird that this is something like a quarter of the population can't even eat. So, hmm. yeah, I, I don't know. It's but I you check my 23 that, and me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about that? It's like I really love this look into here are all these things that we don't think about day to day. This is like it's sort of like you get the fun part of a reality competition show and you also get the educational part of like how it's made. Mm-hmm. So every mm. one of these you think about here are jobs that people have to do in order to get this stuff to you in order for your life to be the way it is. And you don't really think about how much work goes into all that stuff behind the scenes. So to look at that big field of cilantro and think like, this is the thing I buy in the supermarket. I mean, our household found that really interesting. For sure. Yes. Of course the very life applicable skills, like uh, running a pit crew at a NASCAR event. Hey. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You don't really think about that unless you've seen cars a million times, which I have. Yes. I really enjoyed the pit crew challenge. I think that there was some controversy as to the uh, like ultimate like scoring system for the pit crew where you had three shots at it and you were like they gave the uh, person who won the team that won whoever had the fastest time total out of the three heats. And I believe it was. Savage, Savage Crew had basically like won the first two heats, but uh, Dirty Hands had in their third time around, they actually won that heat and they had the fastest time on record. So they win the challenge. I don't hate that. I think it because so much of the show is caught up in like, how do you learn on the job? How do you improve? How do you take what you're you know, take what you're doing and figure out how to make it better and like solve problems on the, on the spot. I thought that was a great application of that. And I know there's some controversy around it because they were not like in aggregate, the faster team, but they got better every time. And I think 
that also says, you know, you don't have to go in there immediately and be the best. You just have to figure out over time how you get better. And I, I loved it. Yeah. And I think from a storytelling perspective, that makes more sense. Right. Uh, it, it sort of is like the Billy Madison, basically, like everything else doesn't matter. It comes down to this one thing. But I think if otherwise it would be Savage Crew winning the first two heats, and it's like, oh, OK, game over. There's no need to run the third one. And mm-hmm. so I think it it makes sense to basically find that need to run through three things. I know that uh, we were talking about other you know, various uh, tough as nails alumni to bring in. Should we bring in more CBS alumni? Should Chase Rice have showed up? Oh, yeah. As a former, uh, was he a jack man? I believe he was a jack man. Yeah, he was a huge huge jack man. Uh, (laughs) He was a huge jack man. (laughs) Yeah, so I I think that'd be, and maybe the prize could have been you you attend one of his uh, socially distanced concerts at the end. He plays for you like they do on The Bachelor. Yeah. I mean, did... Do you think anybody on this cast used to date him? Because I am given to understand mm. that that adds some drama. Hmm. Okay. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible. It's not impossible. Chase is on the case, if you know what I mean. <laughs> That's his catchphrase. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I learned a lot Let's about Pete Cruz from, from last week's episode. Because, um, you know, everything I learned, everything I knew about, about car racing, I think I basically comes from two places. Comes from Talladega Nights and it comes from cars. Yeah. So there's a lot of room for education there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I guess fittingly, I guess uh, if you're not first, you're last uh, when it comes down mm. to uh, how you score these competitions. There you uh, go. Were you surprised that they let Jerome uh, drive uh, <laughs> the uh, what, what would you call that? Uh, like the the car? Yeah. The race it was great. car, That's a yeah. great prize. It, it would seem dangerous, though. <laughs> you got somebody like, nobody there knows him. if Jerome knows how to drive a race car. Yeah, could, could he really Bobby Brady the whole situation? <laughs> Like yeah, that's he knows. That's a that's a Bo Derek poll. <laughs> yeah, that's that's like several levels under the sand from Bo. Well, you're talking about like, how Gen Z didn't see the epilogue Brady Bunch series where Bobby Brady was a race car driver. Frankly, Mike, I'm I'm surprised you did. Yeah, that's before it's our time. My memory. I, I, I remember it. I remember it. As do I. Yes. Yes. Uh, they they kept trying to make Brady Bunch uh, reunion happen as a thing. <laughs> they kept trying to make it gritty. <laughs> it's yeah. very real. All I remember is that and Marsha marrying a guy named Wally. Those are the only two things I could take away. Because I remember you think at a young age, like, that's a weird name, Wally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Jerome was just a... Yeah. Well, they, they let him do it as a task on Amazing Race. Okay. So I... I can't imagine this is going to be less dangerous than that. Mm-hmm. Good for and Jerome. I, yeah. I, what a great prize that is too. Like as far as prizes you have to consume right there on the spot, that's a great prize mm-hmm. on that note. What I will say, like I, another part that I've really enjoyed about them unlocking the formula behind this is I think Phil honestly might be at his peak with hosting mm-hmm. at the moment, not to say there's more to go, but like, the guy has unlocked a really fantastic rapport with these contestants. He's at the top of Paramount Mountain. He's made it. He's on the skidoo <laughs> with James Corden. Uh, he doesn't need to feel like it doesn't feel sticky to me. It doesn't feel hokey, but it's things like I mentioned in the very beginning, right? Like the, the back and forth with Leah about the birds and even that little clip at the end of like, Jerome, come back. We've got to end the day. And like, that's obviously a little bit scripted, but it feels like the energy that Phil has with these contestants is so natural and endearing it might be from him getting more comfortable with the show it might just be from the fact that like he probably 
you know, had a big hand in casting these people. So he has like an inherent association with it as opposed to like, guy in the back, what's your name? But I just think that for some reason, what I've really caught on to is the dynamic between Phil and the contestants proper this season, I think has been its best. It's been throughout three seasons of Toughest Nails. Yeah, I think he, it, you get the sense that he hangs out with them when the cameras are turned off. It's sort of, I would compare Hangers it out. almost, there you go. I would almost compare it to like those first two seasons of The Mole, which we covered on Reality mm-hmm. Rehap Ups, Mole Patrol, where Anderson Cooper was clearly like drinking with those contestants. And like when the cameras turned off, they all just hung out like equal people. And I think it's that same camaraderie. Like he really got to know them as humans and they get to know him. Um, there's that great scene where he's just like throwing dad joke after dad joke at, mm-hmm. them, at them. And they're just like, oh, come on, Phil, stop yeah, it. Stop I believe it. it's uh, during the Zoom Boom Challenge where he's like, all right, yes. so the person who loses, lights out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, that's Phil's sense of humor. Uh, like, uh, you know, it's we very, know that well. <laughs> very, very fun to see uh, here in the show. They, that yeah, they let these things breathe enough that they keep that stuff in there. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's definitely, like, we don't know. Maybe Jeff Probst does that with the contestants too, but they just don't uh, show it. He does not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Do, you think, that, do we think Julie Chen does that with the contestants? Uh, I, I think no. that, um, uh, I, I think I might buy that a little bit more. No, I buy that she would attempt it. <laughs> I don't think I buy that it would work out. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, you have two legs. Yeah. Again, it's been a minute since I was on the Survivor Beach. So maybe, maybe, you know, Jeff does do that with the Survivor contestants now. I will also say, I think that, uh, you know, when we first came in, I think we posted a little bit fun, right? When like Phil was doing the, 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 the head downs or face to faces or whatever we call them in, in Amazing Race season 30 and 31 of like when teams faced off against each other, how, all right, he needs to work a little bit on his color commentary. I think he's done a really good job with the color commentary. Like it doesn't feel like, and to to that point, maybe it's because he's filling it in with dad jokes, but it doesn't feel like he's sort of like needlessly narrating Mm -hmm. at this point. Mm -hmm. Also helps that I think this is probably the closest a lot of these challenges have been between the team challenges and the individual challenges. Like there's been some really exhilarating back and forth going on. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I think Phil could really call anything. I mean, like some of these things that uh, I, I noticed it like watching. It's like uh, you know, like these people are like uh, like picking cilantro, and uh, like Phil is like giving like uh, uh, like a good call of what's going on. Well, that's kind of some of the secret sauce of the show, isn't it? It's that these things that are jobs. They're not maybe you don't think of them as being exciting, but this show has figured out how to make them exciting and how to make you realize how underappreciated and how interesting these jobs could be. Mm -hmm. And part of that is part of that is Phil's ability to find what's good about them and what's fun and really make that pop on the camera. Did either of you have any favorite tasks uh, from the season? Uh, I know we we talked about the NASCAR, but did did anything else uh, really uh, stand out? The uh the the Coast Guard challenge, specifically the the team challenge, seemed like for my money, not only one of the toughest challenges they've done on Toughest Nails, but maybe one of the toughest challenges I've ever seen on reality TV, considering that part of it was drag a two thousand pound chain mm-hmm. from one side of the dock to the other. That is absolutely wild to me, on top of like changing everything out and doing all this. Like whether when Phil outlined the challenge, I thought this is 
absolutely ridiculous that they have to do this. So it, it seemed it was incredibly compelling as well. That was the one that had a lot of back and forth to it. So that was one of those challenges I looked like looked at and said, I cannot believe these people are actually not only doing it, but like pulling it off fairly well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The size of those chains was insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would give props to the uh, ski lift task as well. Specifically the team challenge where they had to replace all the ski lift chairs and install them. Mm-hmm. That was a lot of really detailed work that nobody could possibly have prepared for. And to watch them kind of problem solve like that. And especially the setting I thought was really cool there as well. Like it's up there with, uh, with racetrack for me. Yeah. I feel like that they've gone to some uh, interesting locales uh, this season. Yeah. The uh, Mount Baldy was uh, one of them uh, where they uh, spent time with uh, the ski lift and then also on fixing the snow machine. Uh, Certainly the racetrack. Uh, I think that we've, uh, you know, been, out on the pier before, but it's always like a uh, good location. Uh, the first challenge, the first episode, I felt like was really epic uh, to be at Camp Pendleton and then to have all of like I, I really liked the, the Savage Crew and Dirty Hands like uh, camo uniforms they had in that episode. Yeah, it was a big episode. And, you know, I got to talk with Phil before the season and he, he said that, you know, obviously you want to start things off with a bang in that perspective. And they really wanted to go all out. So that's why you see like Humvees and like, hey, uh, they just dropped 12 ATVs out of this helicopter. Go find them and assemble them. You know, if you want an opening challenge that really hooks people from the beginning, I would not be surprised if they sank a lot of their budget into that first episode between putting together the ATVs and then like the entire set up the concertina and fix the Humvee and everything. Like I think from the beginning, it showed both the contestants and the fans of all right, this is a different type of tough as nails, right? Like we are, uh, well, as opposed to maybe Survivor might be paring things down more, tough as nails is almost blowing things up a bit more of, okay, here's some bigger things to do than just, you know, the typical stuff we've been doing the past two seasons. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it's, some of it is down to like season two, we talked to Phil a lot about how many restrictions he had to have and like how intricate it was to film with all of these protocols in place. And I would suspect, and I, Again, this is something I'd want to ask Phil about if he were here, that protocols were maybe a little bit looser for this season. And so they got to do some things a little bit bigger than they would have otherwise. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you would hope that, you know, as uh, things are uh, knock on wood, uh, like hopefully uh, getting better eventually, like you think that maybe in season four, they can even like uh, expand further out. Yeah. I will say I really enjoyed the episode three settings as well. Maybe just because I'm an indoor kid, but I love when whenever we the go office. like suburban. Yeah, I love going. Exactly. I, I binge the office and now I get to binge it uh, on tough as nails. That to me also felt probably the most amazing racy with the challenges to like move the furniture into the office to the point where they were looking for the clue. Yeah, they lost the, they lost the, both teams uh, seemingly like lost the instructions. Yeah. And so that's interesting, right? Because I feel like when drama is derived from these challenges, it's not necessarily from that. So it's interesting that it came down to, oh, no, we lost the manifest. We're going to have to find it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how did you feel about uh, Hanger uh, really sort of uh, being done in by, you know, his issues with dyslexia, with uh, trying to uh, read the packages uh, is ultimately what cost him in the, in the individual challenge? Yeah, it's it's interesting to me because obviously you try to create challenges that are pretty equanimous uh, where people, you know, the different contestants can have the same chance of doing well. 
but that's not always going to be the case, right? Like it's incredibly natural why Hanger won that first individual challenge because it was literally hammer to your heart's content. Mm -hmm. But it did, you know, it's interesting that we have that. And then the next episode, right? You have someone who has claustrophobia and aquaphobia, and then you give them a challenge where they have to don an immersion suit and jump into the water. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it is interesting how... You know, I think on paper, I would say like that. Don't forget the Murph awesome. challenge, Mike. Uh, yeah, remember the, the, Murph the overcame stuff. his fear of heights? And so that's the thing as well is that on paper, I would be like, this sucks because it feels like it almost like prices out specific contestants. But I guess if the the onus of the show is to say like, oh, being tough is overcoming every, anything and mm-hmm. everything, maybe that's what they're trying to push to do. Though I think overcoming a fear is a little different than overcoming a, a learning disability. Mm-hmm. Uh, they put this in in a way that doesn't feel exploitative, like Amazing Race sometimes does, where Amazing Race takes an inventory of all of your fears and then like weaves them into the competition. Like, oh, I'm afraid of snakes and heights, and now it's like jump off this pier into a pit snake of ladder. snakes. Yeah. <laughs> snake yeah, climb the snake ladder. ladder. Um, and I think they do a great a great service to people that maybe in your life you're not doing a physically tough job, but you do have things to overcome. Mm-hmm. And I think they've also done a great job of like people that are, you know, neurodivergent in some way, they you know, they've gone into the trades because of this. Like we talked about Liz last season, um her her ADHD kind of put her in this position where she didn't she couldn't really work an office job and so she found the cement masonry and i think it's kind of the same thing it's like uh if you're dyslexic you know you're not going to work in a library per se but you might go into a trade and you might do really well in that Mm -hmm. trade and so it's like a way of like turning your weaknesses into strengths and finding toughness and applying that toughness to other things so i really love that and i love that people are tough in their own ways as well Mm -hmm. and it wasn't necessarily like it was a death blow for Hanger uh, that it's not like that he got eliminated for that. You know, you still have the chance mm-hmm. to go into the overtime, unfortunately, uh, where uh, he wasn't able to uh, win in the overtime competition and was ultimately eliminated. Um, when we were talking before the show, a uh, wild fact uh, that Hanger is not a nickname for Hanger. <laughs> No, it's his last name. Mm-hmm. Cochraned him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought they're like, oh, hanger. Like uh, this is like that's his nickname because uh, a la a aforementioned knuckles. Uh, it's like uh, you know th- th- this is like but like he's like hanging like lumber, right? <laughs> you think that's what I was like? Oh well, that's what I like thought he- it was. I was like, oh, like he's like you know, bring this guy in like uh, on the construction side. He'll be hanging those uh, planks everywhere. They, they show him putting up a frame. Yeah, so it, it made sense to me. Like, or like maybe there was like some incident on the job where he was hanging something up, and that's how he got the nickname. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe is that a callback to like medieval times, right? When like your last name would be Smith when you were the Smith in your town. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So sure. yeah. So that's that's Hanger. Second most interesting fact uh, that Hanger's first name is Lamar. Who knew? Yeah, you, you could have given me like an entire list of names and I would not have been able to pick out that Hanger's first name is Lamar. <laughs> yeah, so uh, it, interesting guy, Hanger. Uh, I mean, in fairness, there's probably people he works with that wouldn't be able to pick out what his first name is because everybody just calls him Hanger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
It's time for today's Lucky Land horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's a big week when RHAP is on the road in Chicago. Check out my live show from Chicago. That's going to be up on Thursday, Wednesday night. Shannon Gus is going to be live with you with Kelly Wentworth after Survivor. And we preview the Dondi finale with Deal or No Deal Island host Joe Manganiello all right here on RHAP. We know reality TV. Let's talk about the the field right now, and and not not what got plowed in the last episode, but uh, <laughs> the contestants that Robert. are still active for the individual competition. Uh, I don't know how our tough as nails uh, edgic uh, is looking, but uh, so we have the players that are still in the mix: uh, Alfie, Quincy, who had a close call. Uh, in this last episode, I mean, uh, did he though? Did I don't he? know. It seemed like that he took a very like uh, slow uh, trip around uh, the field. Yeah, but it's it's odd for all the really close ones. Again, like the the Sarah versus Leah overtime was incredibly tense and seemed to come down to seconds. I know they tried to build in a little bit of intrigue with like, oh, Christine might be close, but. This honestly seemed like one of those things where Quincy had it the entire time. Literally, he got off to an early lead and just never gave it up. So that Mm -hmm. was actually the most anticlimactic so far. Uh, But yeah, I mean, Quincy is another interesting one, right? Because I think he comes in with this classic like Friday Night Lights story, right? Of like was destined to be a college football star ends up breaking his leg Mm -hmm. coming from this small town. Yeah, his small town. Interestingly. Lamar, South Carolina, oh. not Hanger. Oh my <laughs> God. Maybe it is. Maybe Hanger's a family were the founders of Lamar, <laughs> South Carolina. Yeah. So that being said, though, I feel like Lamar, I mean, now I have Lamar in my head. I feel like Quincy's actually someone we know the least about. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's like it's literally those two things. Uh, so I think Quincy is someone who has a good head on his shoulders, right? He's a diesel mechanic, carried the team to that, uh, to that Jack Crew challenge. But I, I don't know. He seems like someone who I could see in the final three, but not necessarily win. Okay. Uh, the other contestants still active. Elizabeth, Jerome, Leah, Mike, and Tack. Uh, is it Tack or Talk? Tack? I think it's Tack talk. Tack talk. Yeah, that he's been a little purple uh, so far on the season, but I did actually uh, pull one quote uh, from the, this last episode. Uh, this was Dirty Hands in the Van uh, talking about, and this was uh, Quincy talking about how um, they, they need to not let Savage Crew uh, like uh, pick up any ground against them. Dirty hands up. Yep. So we got to stay up, you know what I mean? Yeah, stay hung. <laughs> Did Hanger just feel like a spidey sense in the other van of like, <laughs> they said a, a verb tense of hang. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I've, ne- I've never heard. Uh, I-, I didn't know you can abbreviate uh, hungry as hung. But so every, everybody, can't. yeah, stay hung. Stay hung, stay hung out there, everybody. Rob, you watched three seasons of hung. <laughs> Wasn't that what it was about? <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, he was a real hanger, that guy. <laughs> <laughs> what what do we think about he was very that... proficient with his tool? Yeah. <laughs> oh boy, exactly. Robert. He went, he yeah. went into overtime in many ways. Uh what do we think about this is like the 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 long tail end of Zeus, right? Like we get not one but two Hawaiians mm-hmm. in this and tough as nails. I don't think we've ever seen a Hawaiian contestant on Survivor or Big Brother, and now we have three in three seasons of Tough as. We've nails. had them on Amazing Race. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there is that, but it's yeah, it's interesting. I think it might be like it might be down to they may have had a casting event there and they just like struck gold. Mm-hmm. But I again, this was actually on my short list of things I would have wanted to ask Phil at some point. Mm-hmm. So if we ever if we ever have a direct line to Phil, I would want to know um, why are they still in Hawaii casting people? I, it's great. I think we're getting really great people. I think it's testament to we want to have more of them. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just interesting. Yeah, especially given going back to the Brady Bunch, uh, Hawaii, <laughs> the place of. Vincent Price, haunted tiki idol. Yeah. All right. So, uh, who do we think are uh, that are most likely uh, people that are going to be facing off at the end of this? I mean, I got to put Mike up there, Mm -hmm. um, just because of his sheer size compared to everybody else. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, and 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 I would say that the the toughest nails winners tend to be. We saw this a lot with Scott. Uh, last season and then with like Danny and Murph the first season of like if you do well in the individual challenges it probably means you're going to make it to the end like again season one was basically Murph and Danny trading wins back and forth Mm -hmm. season two Scott never went into was even close to overtime and so far I believe if I'm checking Wikipedia correctly the only person left who has not touched the bottom three in an individual challenge has been Mike. And so I think that shows like he's a little bit good at everything. So that means he's probably destined to at least make it to the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I would love to see Leah in the end. She's the only person other than Mike, who's won more than one challenge. Um, And, you know, she's fantastic. She knows how to do a lot of things. And if we had a woman in the finals, like Leah, I think we might actually have a chance of seeing a woman winner. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Sarah made it to the finals uh, last season, yeah. but was uh, third place. Yeah. And I think, yeah, Linda was very close in season one. Yeah. Like, I don't, she wasn't, she, I think she was fourth. Uh, I feel yeah, like it, it was, yeah. it was yeah. what, Miles and uh, Danny and uh, yeah. Murph uh, in right. the final three back in uh, season one. Yeah. I mean, if I had to put money down, I'd probably say that Mike is has the best chance. But I think all of these people, it doesn't feel to me like last season. I think we the writing was on the wall. We knew pretty early on how we thought it was going to shake out. And I think season one, even we were like, it's going to be Danny or Murph. And I think some of us had our money on Murph and some of us had our money on Danny. But I this season, I don't know. I honestly can't put my finger on any one person and say this person's definitely going to the finals mm-hmm. i think it helps that's because the individual load has been shared a bit right like uh first episode i think it was you know leah and mike end up winning hanger wins in episode two tack wins in episode three mike in episode four jerome in episode five and leah in episode six jerome's someone else who i could see in the finals there uh very much in like the zeus mentality of like what we know about jerome is that he's just super chill 
Uh, and that mentality has helped him a lot when the pressure is mounting. And so I could see him carry forward that attitude as well as like, again, a general mastery of a lot of stuff mm-hmm. into the finals. I don't know how he would do necessarily, especially if they continue that gauntlet of a final challenge. But I think he's another person that I could easily see in that final three. Mm-hmm. What about Alfie? Uh, the only time that Alfie ended up uh, in uh, the in the bottom uh, was uh, in the uh, I, I guess that uh, what was it in the delivery uh, test? No, it was uh, it was the 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 emergency. Uh, the emergency. Uh, sorry, the, in the emergency suit. Uh, so other than that, uh, he's been pretty strong. Yeah, and he's also getting a good edit. I think good he's edit. getting like OTTP. Yeah, if we want to go there, so um, we we get to hear from him almost every episode, and part of that is because he's great, mm-hmm. but part of it is also we're hearing about his family situation almost every episode, where everybody's yeah. getting that time, but he's getting a lot of that time. Yeah, tough as nails has had better luck in season three than they did with season two, with like also uh, keeping uh, the entire cast there uh, that they had. Uh, what was it? with Tara and then they had to let go of uh, Michael and then they lost Freight Train Uh, was there anybody else in season 2 also no that was it but that was still like a big question mark right because then for a while they were Dirty Hands was down 6 to 5 and they had to run challenge and that's I think one reason why Savage Crew ends up taking it is like they uh, were sort of running at a deficit so yeah I agree maybe to Jess's point that's either restrictions loosening or them sort of getting a tighter grasp on Mm -hmm. COVID restrictions considering this was their second season but yeah it seems like everything's fine though i don't know uh could this be chekhov's back uh back yeah could elizabeth uh not be able to continue i guess we'll have to see uh what happens uh next week when we uh are going to be doing some work working with production yeah this is interesting this is probably the most applicable to my life as like a lifelong theater kid mm-hmm. uh, went to many hangs and focuses hangers. in my in my college career. Yeah, hangers and focuses. Maybe hanger will be good then at hanging lights. But yeah, between that, between putting together a DJ booth for like a BB-22 competition, <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting because I think this might be the most fish out of water we will see these contestants, right? To the point where even Jerome, Jerome of all people, Mr. Slow and Steady is like, I give up. I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, just throw them this like complicated equipment that they need to set up. And it turns out that, yeah, maybe, maybe being a roadie is enough to break these contestants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Only four episodes left here on uh, tough as nails. And so I guess uh, that we, I mean, we could see the team competition end as soon as the, uh, this week after if it's been uh, three wins in a row for dirty hands. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, again, I don't think that's going to be the case. I don't think the competition ends. I think they just keep doing the challenges mm-hmm. and winning the money, but we might say that they get the 60000 Mm-hmm. Has yeah, I don't know. Dirty Hands won a team competition yet? Yeah, the, they the, won uh, the first one. In, Remember in, in season came- one? In season one, remember, it was like the sudden death, individual wood chopping stuff. And that was Danny versus Murph on right, the axe. Right. And, uh, and, and Danny ended up taking it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they, they won season one. Savage Crew won season two. It's, it's weird because, like, you sort of mix up the fact that we've had two Savage Crew individual winners. But Dirty Hands won the team competition in mm-hmm. season one. Mm-hmm. So we, we might split again here as well. Uh, you know, it should also be noted right now we're at four dirty hands to three savage crew left in the competition i think we should also note here if we're talking about balancing things for gender that you know five people have been eliminated and only one of them has been a man uh which i don't know if that's due to like 
the construct of the challenges, the people that they cast, luck. But I think probably more so than any previous seasons, there seems to be a real gender imbalance where I believe it's only Leah and Elizabeth left as the only women that are vying for the individual prize. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is. But they seem like, at least until this week, with Elizabeth's back problems, I would have said that they both seemed like contenders. But Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. It's, It's funny. I think we have some of the strongest women we've ever had on and yet they all have gone out in the individual. Yeah. I, I, it's like a complicated uh, question to deal with. You know, it, it's almost like the women that they have are are very strong, but you know, in, in terms of like, uh, is it always like apples to apples in terms of the actual like work that they're doing? Sometimes on Survivor, you'll have a task where, okay, we have um, made the weight that you're holding up in this challenge, uh, you know, on a ratio to your body weight, where Mm. in Tough as Nails, uh, that nothing really is ever, you know, uh, changed up based on, you know, you have somebody who is just a smaller person going up against a much larger person in a physical competition that I feel like that, you know, and a lot of these things that are just about just uh, moving an object uh, physically, then, you know, it is an advantage for the bigger person. You can work smarter, but uh, like, I feel like that that can only do so much. That's the thing is that you look at, for example, the first individual challenge where it was all about sawing and hammering there's certainly detail orientedness involved in that but someone like kelsey who is certainly strong but doesn't necessarily have that like upper body strength like someone like hanger mm-hmm. might it's probably going to be at a little bit more of a disadvantage because it it, it sort of like goes against uh, sort of like her own strengths in that regard so that's why i'm happy for things like the cilantro picking, like even the the episode of the racetrack, right? It was just pressuring the tires, things that are less so dependent on very specific strengths. I think it also is, also is a little bit of luck that like the people that they happen to cast, you know, for example, with some of our front runners that we're talking about, your Mike, your Quincy, your Jerome are just good at a lot of mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to like, I think some of these people have hit sort of their own uh, Achilles heels over the course of these and, specific challenges. Yeah. And just, just to uh, like add to what I was saying, you know, that sometimes that we have like, uh, you know, circumstances where, you know, you have a, a particular woman who has like a proficiency in like uh, one of these contests and, and then uh, she goes on to win or place uh, very well. Uh, and, and that's that's incredible. But you know, if uh, it's a situation where the woman doesn't necessarily have a proficiency in that area, like I feel like that we tend to see, you know, two or three women that are in the bottom uh, of, of this task where uh, if it's coming down to more of uh, physicality, just uh, that uh, is, is am I making sense here or am I sounding like a, uh, a stupid idiot? No, I, I get what you're saying, Rob. I, I understand how careful you're being here. <laughs> I'm I'm trying I'm trying to like I, I obviously like uh, don't want to offend but I also you know uh, like would you know love to see women have you know as good of a chance to uh, be the toughest nails champion as the uh, male contestants. Yeah, it's it's really it's a really fine line to tread because if a woman wins a season, uh, there's going to be like some jerks out there they're gonna be like oh yeah they had to they had to nerf the playing field so that a woman had a chance of winning Mm -hmm. and i don't get that sense from here if we got a woman winner this season i think that would be incredibly satisfying Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. And I think, I think it will happen at some point. I think it's just, it's a, it's a various mixture of things, but who knows? I think Leah is somebody who, if she makes into that final challenge has a good chance of doing something, considering that the final gauntlet is a little bit of everything, right? It's like do a bunch of these tasks. And I think with the story of Leah so far has been like, she's done a little bit of everything. She has, a she can be like, Oh, I don't know how to do this, but I know how to do this, which is close enough to this. And I think that Jill of all trades could probably be the best set of skills going into a final challenge. It's just a matter of, of getting there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Any other thoughts on tough as nails season three? I don't know if I have any like profound parting shots here, but you know, I missed you guys. I missed mm-hmm. talking about this. Yeah. It's it's a fun show. It, it felt like, you know, it's not the it's not the slog that some of the other programs we cover can sometimes be. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I miss you too, Phil. I know you're listening. Yes. Well, of course. I mean that uh Phil is uh the greatest and uh we had uh, so much fun getting to talk to Phil about the the show and uh you know uh hope that you know everybody that is uh behind the scenes on the show is uh you know is doing great and keep up the good work. Yeah, uh, seriously as as I mentioned at the very beginning of this podcast just to to again uh restate it. I I do think that Tough as Nails is to use uh, some Quincy parlance firing on all cylinders right now and i think it's a really good trajectory of a show where obviously they dealt with a lot of unforeseen circumstances in season two that made things feel a little off kilter but i think season three they have righted things back on track i think they've solidly worked out what the toughest nails formula is they're making small tweaks uh to really create some some more interesting tv i think it's a a cast that has some really dynamic people in it and overall, you know, the one of the reasons why the show appealed in the first place when it came on in 2020 was the world was and still is, you know, in a, in a time that is full of a lot of unhappiness and negativity. And it, it's cool to just have a show you can turn on every 42, you know, 42 minutes of just not needing to break out a whiteboard to break things down or like go super in depth into anything. You're just watching people who represent the, the best of their crafts being able to try their best at things, showing their hearts, their stories, their trades to us, and just really supporting each other in turn. The message of Tough as Nails still shines through, I think still works to this day. And I think it's something that's going to hopefully keep it on the air for, you know, a uh, Brady Bunch upon Brady Bunch <laughs> weeks to come. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we love to get your feedback. Uh, we heard a lot of people say that they wanted uh, Tough as Nails uh, to return for our, our podcast coverage. So uh, if you enjoyed this, uh, let, let, let us know that uh, this was uh, what you wanted to hear because uh, we uh, had a lot of fun getting back together to do this. Jess, what's coming up for you? Um, well, right now I'm doing Fear the Walking Dead World Beyond, which yes. is a breakdown of Fear the Walking Dead and Walking Dead World Beyond. Mm-hmm. With a lot of hardworking blue collar people on the Walking Dead universe. I Definitely. You've got to be, you gotta be yeah. tough as nails to kill a zombie. More red collar, though, considering how much blood they're covered in. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's true. But we're having a good time with that. Um, AJ Mass and Chappelle and occasionally Josh Wiggler stops by as yes. well. I'm not going to be on this week because I will be traveling for work, but they'll be there talking about everything that happened this week. And then Monday night, I'm going to be talking to you for the patron feedback show for Survivor. Yes. Very excited to uh, get to f- talk some Survivor 41 uh, with uh, Jess. So looking forward to that uh, on our patron show coming up on Monday night at 7 Eastern. 
Yeah, it'll be a different, it'll be change of pace um, from a show that requires, you know, a couple of podcasts a season going from mm-hmm. that to a show that requires seven weekly podcasts. Yeah. Um, and of course, uh, coming up in January, uh, the Amazing Race 33 is back. Somehow, the Amazing Race uh, managed to film a season. It's going to be a really interesting season. I'm so excited for that. And I hope that all three of us will be able to sit down um, and talk about it every week. There's mm-hmm. going to be, I'm already, everything I've heard about it, I'm really excited for this season. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it's coming in is, January. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting because I feel like we have sort of, from a television perspective, moved away from like the phenomenon of like, wow, they had to film during COVID and make all these changes. The Amazing Race is maybe still living in that time frame, considering the entire purpose of the show. It's going to be such a unique season in so many ways, if you know the history behind season 33. So, yeah, it's going to kick off what is going to be a jam-packed spring 2022 of CBS reality TV coverage. But I'm excited. January 5th, like as soon as you turn over that clock uh, to your you know, season three, tough as nails calendar. We're going to be back covering the amazing race. Mm -hmm. Yep. So uh, a lot going on there. And then Mike, what's coming up for you? So uh, lots of survivor stuff as per usual, of course, doing the B and B with Leon, which has been a lot of fun. Yes. Yes. I I enjoyed uh, very much uh, the last episode with uh, Ali Lasher last week. Yeah, Allie was a fantastic guest, as per usual. We did uh, some buffer snuff for the fashion choices. I do wonder if we'll buffer snuff Elizabeth's eye makeup by the time we come back to cover Tough as Nails again. Uh, this week, we'll have the great Peridium on yes. as well. And considering uh, how his penchant for battle maps for the season in this past week's episode of Survivor, we probably need it. Uh, so that's going to be really fun. Of course, I'm doing Exit Press for Parade.com. Really fun past couple of weeks mm-hmm. of exit press. Yes. If you know the contestants. Two weeks in a row, Mike Bloom has texted me and said, uh, "Like, get ready for this one." Yeah, you batten down be the ready. hatches. Yeah, exactly. And listen, was I wrong? <laughs> no, was I wrong? No. Yeah, exactly. So, so the, the the content warnings were fair, but yeah, super fun exit press going on parade.com and then over on post show recaps as well. Of course, covering Lost with Josh Wiggler. I'm covering the X Files with my wife Angela Bloom, both of which are reaching their own respective conclusions, and also. Coming back this week, a Star Trek Discovery is coming back on Thursday. So Jess, as uh, she mentioned, will be out of town for the premiere. Uh, I'm going to be joined by friend of Post Show Recaps, the great Brendan Fitzpatrick, to cover the premiere. And then Jess and I, I think, sort of like what we're doing with Tough as Nails, uh, we're going to be stopping by, getting together every few weeks to sort of do catch up on Star Trek Discovery. But yeah, talk about a show that snuck up on you. It's premiering Thursday. Okay. All right, so uh, be on the lookout for that. Plus, uh, everything else we have going on over on Rob as a podcast, including I had a great conversation with Christian Hubicki, uh, just w- one of the you know all time greatest that you could ever hope to uh, have a conversation about Survivor with. Uh, that's up at Rob has a website dot com. Plus, uh, everything else we have uh, going on, including uh, catching up with Jess about Survivor this Monday night. So uh, be on the lookout for that. That's going to be in our patron podcast feed, Rob's website dot com slash patron. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Take care of a good one. Bye. Support for this podcast comes from our friends over at Geico. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do, and it's hard work, but you know it's easy? Bundling your policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. That's a good thing, too. You're busy enough. Go to geico.com and get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit geico.com today. Step into the world of power, loyalty, 
and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.